a study of the New Testament church. And uh, barely got into it, ran a few rabbit trails. We began last week by looking at the very first place in the Bible that the word church is used, and we found that to be in Matthew 16, 18, where the Lord said, I, uh, Thou art Peter. They'd ask who he was, and thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And in that, after that confession, the Lord said to Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And uh, we pointed out the difference uh, between that, that he said it's, it's my church. And so obviously there were other groups around that were called a church, and uh, at least translated in our Bible. William Tyndale translated a congregation. And we went over into the book of Acts and where in Ephesus there was a big uproar because the preaching of the gospel was affecting the worship of Diana and it was affecting the profit of the silversmiths that were making idols for Diana. And the town authorities came and said that... that uh, this is an unlawful assembly. And this word church, and, the, and when it said uh, unlawful assembly, uh, it's, it was the very same, same word. And so church has the idea of assembling together, not in a fashion of <laughs> this people coming together, but with some uh, parameters, just like the North Pole Town Assembly. Certain people are on it that make decisions for the city. Only people from the city can come and uh, give testimony that's uh, of any weight. Some may come and say something, but they're not part of the city. And so it was something that uh, come together, assembled together, a group of people. There was some parameters about who could be a part of the assembly and who couldn't be. And we find that there's a guy who received the word, say, were baptized, and then added uh, to the church. And so the Lord's building it. When he said, thou art Peter, we talked to you last week that uh, Peter is the translation from the Greek word Petros or Petros. And he went on and said, but thou art Peter, and upon this rock, the word rock, is from the word in the Greek language, Petra. And in fact, over there in the Middle East, there's a place called Petra where they built their houses into the rocks. And uh, that's place some, it's going to play out some things in prophecy. But Petra means a much more bigger rock, a massive rock. And Jesus was saying, I'm going to build my church upon myself. And so, a number of things we can find here that, that is distinct, that belongs to the Lord, 
that it is simple, so it has to be some place that's local and some place that's visible. And we talked a little bit, we may have a whole lesson on this whole idea of the universal invisible church. And many people hold to the fact that once, you, once you're saved, the salvation, but you're baptized by the Holy Spirit in salvation into the universal invisible church. But you have to remember, I hope you remember, the difference between being in a family which is universal. My family can be all over the world. Christian family can be all over the world. And there's a difference between being in a family and in a church or an assembly. And the, and what's so diabolical about this idea of universal invisible church is that if not careful, it can create and often does create um, unfaithfulness to uh, God's man, the pastor, not the faithfulness to him, but to, uh, I didn't word that right, to avail yourself of pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, to, uh, to ignore the New Testament church and how that, you know, uh, we are underneath its authority and discipline and watch care and, and, uh, the Bible says, as we talked about last Wednesday, deliver them to Satan for the uh, destruction of the flesh. There's actually an umbrella of protection over us as members of a church that the Lord sees and grants. And it seems like even when we are in a sinful condition, there's still a degree of protection until we uh, discipline that member. And so... What I'm saying is this is that people will say, well, why do I need to join a local church? It's just man-made and it's run by men. I'm already a member of the Universal Invisible Church and they become freelancers and they never put themselves underneath the uh, benefit of what the value is of a church. And so uh, we uh, talked about that. We talked about the definition of the church as we've already said here, local and visible. And I think we'll pick back up on uh, uh, let's see. Well, let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter four. And look at uh, verse 11. It talks about Christ ascending back to heaven in verse 10. And he, that is God, gave some apostles, and we have the apostles in the first century, and some prophets predicting of the future. Sometimes a prophet just has a reference not only to future events, but just to a man who proclaims God's word, preachers. And some evangelists, those that spread the good news, 
and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting, the maturation of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Oh, I said, uh, does everybody have one of these? You lost them? Okay. Is there some, there's some back behind still, I think. Isn't it, Brother Gerd? Brother Chris doesn't have one. Oh, there's not? Oh, I had a, oh, oh, they're not back there because they're up here. Yeah, we got, we got lots of them. You don't have to share, share. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, we're at the bottom of page 2. It doesn't mean we've not got any farther than that last week. I just jumped around in this little handout. Ephesians chapter 4, and he gave some apostles, verse 11, and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, not that we become perfect, but we're mature, for the work of the ministry, that the saints could do the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that when you have a church where, uh, where all the people are involved in uh, utilizing their gifts that God has given them, they're not just in the grandstands watching, but they're on the playing field uh, doing their part. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, a mature man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And so there at the bottom of page two in the black print, uh, follow along with me there. Do you want to make progress in holiness? Do you want to understand the faith and believe the right doctrine? Do you want to grow more like Christ? Have him as your head? and pass from spiritual immaturity to spiritual adulthood, then you need the church. Do you want to avoid being tossed to and fro by false teaching and false teachers? This protection from evil is found in the church. God did not design us to grow as Christians on our own. Uh, how cruel and how uh, horrible it would be 
if Israeli was left to grow on her own. Or that, you know, here recently in, our, in Fairbanks, the little babies left on the street in a box. Well, Christians need to grow. And a church is an incubator, a church is a nursery, a church helps us in our spiritual growth. He didn't design us to grow on our own. In fact, the removal from church membership is called being delivered unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. It is not a safe to be outside the church. Our Lord's way is for us to learn his word and mature spiritually in the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. And so he says that the New Testament church it's 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 a it's there's a foundation it's a foundation there's also a pillar that uh, it holds up the truth Pilate said what is truth and where do you find truth today? Well, the, the Lord said there in 1618, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, promising perpetuity for churches down throughout time until he comes back, promising that the power of the word of God can even charge the gates of hell. But we... We live in a day, and maybe it's always been because Satan's always been active, but we live in a day when uh, sometimes church is not seen much more than being a member of the Rotary Club. Well, it's much more than that. And look over, we're here here in Ephesians. I want you to drop back to chapter 2. And um, verse 21, uh, well, well, let's begin in verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So he says, everybody that's saved is in the God, God's family. But he says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building and, and the and I don't have time to dig all this out, but really, this word all means uh, each building, each several building, in whom each building, fitly framed together, groweth into the holy temple in the Lord. That it's not just one building, but it's an, an each building. And it says, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. That the New Testament church, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. He's not only talking about being of the household of God, but he's also talking about being in this building that God uses uh, the body of Christ and the temple, a building, and the bride to illustrate uh, the church. But 
He said it's a habitation of God. That in a special way, God is in the church. We know that God is every place. We know that God indwells those who have received him as a savior. But in a very unique way, God leads and guides and and his presence is in a church. And and for me to explain all that, I I have um, a hard time doing that. I don't have it. I just know that when we come together, not to this building, but when we come together as individuals, whether we meet on the riverbank or under a tree or down, down at family camp, when we meet together as individual members of the Church United, that uh, God's presence is there. And uh, we can love the unlovable. We can love each other. That there is something unique about us being a part of the same body. And he's going to use the word body later on. And you remember in Revelation, when when it talked about the seven churches of Asia, that the Lord was in the midst of them. And so, uh, don't take it, you know, I mean, you can worship on your own at home and, and get in the Bible studies, and you can even watch live stream. And live stream gives forth truths, but it's not like me coming here and fellowshipping with you. You see, it's not, it's not just the, the teaching that we get in church. But I get you. And, and when he talks about the body, let's just go on over there to page 3. And, and let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. He's speaking to the church of Corinth and he says, now ye are the body of Christ. And let's drop back here and let's just see what he's talking about. He talks about the different gifts in chapter of verse 4. Uh, and how that there's different gifts given by the Spirit, diversities of gifts. And, and uh, he talks about miracles and, and the tongues when they were legitimate. Then he says in verse 12, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And he's already, we've already seen that he said, ye are the body of Christ. And so he's not talking about a universal thing here. 
And he says, for by one spirit, by the leadership of the spirit, are we all baptized into one body, whether we Jews or Gentiles, we wander free and have all been made to drink of one body. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, am I not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? And so he says, you know, the body is not like a one, just one big eyeball, here it comes rolling down the road, but it's all parts of our body. And he says the church is like a body that some will say, well, you know, you, you, uh, you're the mouth, and so there's real need for me, you know. I mean, as a member, church member, we look at see, see, well, this person's always talking. Brother Humphrey's up there blabbering, so he must be the mouth of the body. Uh, and uh, here I am. All, I'm, all I am is a big toe. And in between the big toe and the, I don't know what they call the next toe, it's not the pointer toe. <laughs> but as often... Some toe jam. And it stinks once in a while. And I've said, I'm not really necessary here. You know, the, they can do without me this Sunday. But uh, have you ever, uh, do you know what happens to a person who has lost his big toe? He can't balance, he's out of balance. And so, so the point, the point of the issue, the issue here is that, verse 23, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts, that is the common parts, have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked, that there should be no schism, that there's no division in the body, but the members should have the same care one for another. It's our, it's, 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 uh, it's our, fallen nature, I guess, is sometimes like some people better than others. But we shouldn't care for some people more than we care for others in uh, ministry. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members be rejoiced with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And so, uh, Corinth was a church that had many spiritual gifts, came behind and no gift, and, and some of them thought, well, I'm not as gifted as another one, and am I really a part of this church, and should I, what's my purpose here? And uh, God has given to every one of us a specific gift. 
and it's needed. And uh, when, when it's not functioning, when that part of the body is not functioning, the whole rest of the body suffers and is affected. And although my thumb is very, you know, it's a very small part of my whole body. If I smack that thing with a hammer, everybody's concerned. <laughs> everybody got the attention of everybody. And so uh, he's simply saying that this unique thing called the body is uh, the church. It's very unique. And so one of the metaphors is, is body. The second one given there on page three is uh, the temple. That God can manifest himself in the temple. And then the third is the bride. Paul told the church there at Corinth, I'm jealous over you with a godly sorrow, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And then we find in Ephesians that husbands ought to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And in the small black print, the church is a special object of love to her spiritual husband, Lord Jesus Christ. She has a special closeness to him. As a wife has a unique union with her husband, she is an object of special care, watchfulness, and protection and affection. While every believer will in every future have a full, have the special closeness in Christ, symbolized by the bridal relationship on the earth, and only those who are part of the church have this union who would want to miss out on that? And so he's simply saying that while we're here, that we have a special husband-wife relationship with the Lord as a church, but in eternity, all the churches will get together that are scriptural and become the bride of Christ. Okay, the first full paragraph there on page four. This special closeness to Christ is found before heaven only in the church of God, the Son of God. It's not available by listening to the Christian radio, TV preachers, or internet sermons. It's not found through reading good Christian books. It's not found in a home Bible study group with a few friends. All of these other things can be spiritually beneficial, although there are so many very deceptive false teachers on the radio and internet as well as writing books that should that you should avoid the great majority of them and be extremely cautious about the rest you need the discernment you will only gain in good congregation but then but they are no substitute for only institutions God has ordained for this work in this age and so he's saying you know there's good books and there's good music but there's no substitute for the local New Testament church. And uh, 
Um, maybe just a rabbit trail. Uh, I have been uh, dumbfounded with some men that have been placed into the ministry and being a novice and uh, not fully vetted and not fully trained. And uh, I guess you can, I can become very critical. Uh, you know, after I got out of the pulpit and, for, and Pastor Demo came, I, I began to see things a little bit more from your uh, perspective and, uh, and how that, you know, when you work late and hard Wednesday night, you come to church <laughs> and, and uh, you don't want to stay there till 10 o'clock sometimes. You're tired. And, 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 to, and to, be, uh, to be at the top of your uh, abilities and presenting the truth. And when he, when he talks here about the importance of the New Testament church and to feed the flock of God, that uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of rambling here. Here's what I'm saying. If we're going to be a member of a New Testament church, if we're going to be a body part, whatever it is that your gift is in that church, let's be the best that we can be. Yeah. Because unto him be glory in the church. And so... I wanted to go to the pulpit, studied. I wanted to be able to feed. We ought to come wanting to actually raise our voices with emotion and praise to the Lord when we sing. We're humans, you know. I'm probably one of the worst people to appreciate uh, godly music in a church. I've learned a little more since pastors come. I just say, come on, let's get that third song over and let me go, <laughs> let me preach. You know, just shut up and let's go. Uh, but there's a very special thing about godly music and being involved and put, having our heart here. And so, uh, I don't know where all that's coming from, but the fact that... Uh, when God puts you in the body, you have a purpose. You're necessary. And uh, let's be the best we can be. Okay. Now, we talked about a little bit about the universal church, and I probably have a whole lesson on that. And so now we're going into the marks. Some of the marks, if I'm trying to find... Uh, good church. What are some of the marks of 
of a church. What are some of the identifications? There in the middle of verse, uh, chapter, uh, I mean, uh, page five. Different types of assemblies have different identifying marks. The distinguished features of an assembly of baseball fans at a stadium, or assembly of opera lovers at a music hall, or assembly of legislatures in Congress make them easy to tell apart. Likewise, the Church of Christ has a number of marks that sets it apart from all other assemblies. We'll look at five of these marks. The Lord's Church has the Bible for its sole authority. It is self-governing and independent. Three, it practices the ordinance of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Four, it's faithful to biblical doctrine. And five, it conforms to biblical practices. And these five marks are given to us when you study the New Testament. Now, the first mark that he uh, gives in his, uh, and we give here in his lessons, is the Bible is the sole authority. Look over in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy three All Scripture in verse sixteen all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good works. And so, it tells us a number of things here that it's not what the church dignitaries vote, it's not what comes down from ex-cathedra. Have you ever heard that term, ex-cathedra? It's a Catholic term, and it means speaking from the throne. That the Pope speaks, and this is what they're going to do. That he changes doctrine, and he dictates doctrine. But the Bible says that, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That, that remember what Paul said about uh, the Bereans? He said, and they were more noble than those in Thessalonica for they searched the scriptures daily to see, I forget the last how that goes, to see if what they've been told was in the Bible. And so, Baptist, New Testament churches, God's churches, the, the assemblies that have come down the line through Christ's original assembly ought to be biblicists, I guess you could say. That, that we, we ought to... Uh, 
base what we do and govern what we do uh, with the Bible. Some things are not in the Bible, whether we should leave the lights on or turn the lights off or blue blue pews. Uh, That's a mouthful for me. And, And there's just some common sense stuff. But when the Bible addresses this, then we need to fall in line with it. And, and what, what he says here is that the, the, the Bible is God's book that, that is inspired, and it's, and it's profitable. And so if we want to have a church where it's going to be profitable, it's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine tells us how to live. And so here's a little byway, a little trail. And and the doctrine tells me where the trail's at, where I should walk. Happy in the Lord. It's given for doctrine. It's profitable for doctrine. But the Bible also is is for reproof. And so when I'm going along, but somehow I step off the, the path that God wants me on, the Word of God reproves me. Whether it's sitting in a in a worship service or reading the Bible, and and uh, God says, "Okay, here's where you're at. You've got off the trail. What's the, what is the word for getting off the trail? Huh? Yeah, you lost. <laughs> Do not trespass. When you leave the trail, you trespass. You've gone where you shouldn't go." And so it reproves me, and then and then it's not it's for uh, for correction, and so it uh, it it corrects me. It helps me to get back on the trail. It says, "Okay, here's where here's where you're at. Here's what you've done. Now." Get back in line. Get back where you need to be. Get back on, on the path. Now I know that I know that we seem to think sometimes that that uh, that uh, Christianity, or you know, that sometimes it's so narrow. It's like a, a railroad track, you know. Man, it's so narrow, and I'm going on this little train. He wants to go out here in the in the where there's a nice pond and there's ducks on it and there's a grass going around. He wants to leave the track, and things look attractive, but uh, the railroad train runs the best <laughs> on the track, and God just gives us some parameters. But then it says, not only is it given for for doctrine and for reproof and then for correction, but for instruction in righteousness. And instruction in righteousness tells me how to how to stay on the path. You know, he gave me doctrine. I I left it. 
I've been reproved, I've been corrected, and instruction in righteousness says, okay, now, this is what you need to do. Just get on the path and stay on the path. Well, that's why it's important to be in a church, to find a church that teaches the whole counsel of God, that teaches the Word of God. And, and I think what we noted last week that the church is the pillar, oh no, we just did it this morning, that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And so, look at the black print again on page five at the bottom. The Church of God accepts the Bible as inspired word of God. And we didn't learn this in study one. Uh, I didn't give you study one. Brother Daniel, he took study one. <laughs> uh, but it was about scripture. Uh, all scripture is given by inspiration. Also, the church accepts the Bible as its only authority. Since scripture is able to make a perfect and thoroughly furnished, completely equipped uh, for all good works, the church neither needs nor accepts any other authority for its belief and practice. God said, ye shall not add to the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord. And uh, one of the things that also, uh, not only, not only is God's word inspired, but and you say, well, you know, there's all these virgins and different things, and we're not going to go into all those lessons, but God's word is inspired. But God's word is also preserved. And so I can have God's word. And uh, we want to look over in Romans, uh, Psalms chapter 12, and verse 6 and 7. Okay, here's some more stuff to pass out. In Psalm chapter 12, six and seven, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And so God has given us the word, that whole, whole interesting study about how over a period of years, the different prophets' writings, and how God was in that, that that God is the author of the Bible. Men are simply the pens and the pencils that God uses to record the Bible. And that it's preserved. We have the Bible. And I've given you a little handout that shows that, that these new versions that we have, they're not just better, quote, they say they're better, because they're written in more understandable language. 
that it's not the thou's and the these and the King James English. This actually come from a different set of manuscripts, but uh, the point of the little handout I gave you is that different uh, versions from the Textus Receptus, the Greek text that was received from which the King James Bible came from, the different versions do cast light upon many doctrines in the Bible, many truths concerning the Lord. Like one place it says, God was manifest in the flesh in, in Timothy, and the new versions would say he was manifested in the flesh. One place it says that Joseph and his mother, talking about Christ, was going someplace, and, and the newer versions will say his mother and his father. Well, Joseph wasn't his father. And so uh, there's many of them. There's a whole study you could do. I'll just give you that to look at. I'm not going to take time to teach it. But the first mark of a solid church, I don't care if it's got Baptist on the outside name or not, but the first mark of a solid church that we talked about today is that they say, the Bible says it, that settles it. And, uh, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's your obligation. It's your obligation to, to, to uh, make sure that what's said from this teaching podium and from that pulpit and from the literature that you may receive from the ministry of this church is your obligation to say, well, is that what the Bible really says? Yeah, I don't have time to go into it, but there's some major battles going on right now among what used to be solid independent Baptist church about, about authority. And anyway, I'm just simply saying that the bottom line, the bottom line, I know he gives us pastors and teachers for reflecting of the saints. We've already looked at that. But the bottom line is the Bible. And um, can I teach something wrong? Yeah, I've been educated on some things. But to constantly hold to error is uh, a sign that I don't think I want to get get uh, too deep into this church. Maybe I need to move on down and find another one. Okay. Yeah. Because you know, actually, there are churches that uh, believe it's okay to sprinkle and call that baptism. Court churches. You know that the, the Lutherans and the and the Methodists that when they need a new pastor, that headquarters assigns them their new pastor. Did you know that? They don't get it from who they think they should have. Whether you like it or not, like in Fossil, where I grew up, uh, one year uh, they needed a new pastor, and so she came to town, whether you liked it or not. Well, Bible, Bible, Bible. It's our rule of faith and practice.
Okay. All right. I've went over time again. You guys.